yep, junior high kids can head away. Normally at this point, what I would do is I would pray that God would use what I was about to say and that he would really make an impact in your lives. You know what I want to do today? It's just a little bit different. I want to give you an opportunity to pray quietly, to ask God to make an impact in your life. Um, you know, we have sung about how the Holy Spirit is with us. Aaron has told us that the Holy Spirit is with us today. Um, and what I would like us to do in just a moment of silence is for each of you, as you wish, just to say, Holy Spirit of God, my heart is open to you today. My mind is open to you today. And I invite you to work in the way of your choosing this morning that I might know you, that I might encounter you in your reality. Can you do that? Nobody responds. <laughs> Nothing. Well, I'm going to hope you can do it. Let's pray. Lord, hear your people now as they invite you um, to be present and to work and to speak. Um, as they open their hearts and their minds to you that they might hear the voice of God. Here is now God as we pray to you. Spirit of God, now we wait for you to work among us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk about the beginning uh, today, the four questions that a man named Ravi Zacharias says that all of us ultimately will ask ourselves. Ravi Zacharias is a, uh, a brilliant man. He's an author. He's an apologist. He, he uh, describes irrational reasons for faith. He goes to universities and he debates atheists and so forth and, and has a, a significant ministry. But he has some things up in terms of the longing of our hearts, if you want to put it that way, by asking these four questions. The first one is, where do I come from? It's a question of origins. You understand how that is important to people if they don't really know. Second question is, how do I know what is right and wrong? Question of morality. Uh, because out of that dynamic, we learn how to live and how to live well. The next one, number three, is why am I here? That is, that is a question, if you would, of meaning. Uh, you know, what is the purpose of my life? Does my life have meaning at all? And then lastly, Ravi Zacharias suggests that one of the foundational questions of our lives is what is my destiny? You know? Am I here just for 60, 70, 80, 90 years? Is there more? Or is that all that there is? Well, it's the latter of these four questions that I think purpose has application in a significant way. Why am I here? And what is my destiny? You know, we've been looking at these core needs. Now, this is the fifth week and the final one. And, and, and we've recognized that there are these needs which God places into our into our hearts. They're part of what it means to be a human being. And the intention of God's creating us the way that we have been created is that those, that those longings, that those desires, those needs that are so real and present in us would draw us to God. That we would find our answer, if you would, to each of those core needs and those core longings in Him. 
So we ask, and this is by way of review a little bit, am I loved? We need to know at a deep level that somebody cares about us. You know, as opposed to thinking nobody cares about us. And ultimately, it's God who can convince us of the truth that I am loved. Number two is belonging. Do I belong anywhere? Or do I live my life alone? Do I live a life of isolation without connection? And the answer that we've discovered from Scripture is that we belong in God first and foremost. We are His. And we are not alone because He is always with us. Next one is the, is the need that we have of security. And the question is, is life safe? Or is it dangerous in such a fashion that I need to live with fear? And the reality is that life is safe because Jesus, remember, he's in the boat with us. And we don't need to be afraid because he is with us to protect us, exercising his presence and his love and his power. And then the last one we looked at is significance. See, we need to know, as I put it then, that we're not a nobody. You know that? We need to know that we're a somebody, and when we can really get a hold of God's understanding of us, his heart for us, we know that we're a somebody because we're a somebody to God. These are core, significant realities in our lives, and the contention that I have brought to you, and I believe it's fully biblical, we get these right. We find our needs met in God. Our lives will thrive. If we don't, they won't. We'll struggle. And the last one, is this idea of purpose. Why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? You know, like, uh, you know, th th there's, this, there's this question that just dwells in us and we seek to answer and we want to know. Uh, but with this one, like in so many others of these core needs that I've described to you, we tend to look to other things, uh, things other than God to provide the answer. Think about a young person starting out in life. They might think about this, you know, as I look to my life, what am I looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to getting a good job so I have some financial security. I'm looking, I'm looking to find that right person to marry because that's just so significant to me. I'm looking to be able to buy the things that this world offers like a home and cars and clothing and you know, their list might be specific beyond that. They have that desire in their hearts, it's there. You know, and they look to have children and have a family and all these things, what I'm suggesting in so much, the minds of so many people, will give them purpose. So that when we get to the end of the life, we want to be able to look back and go, aha, my life counted because look what I did at work. You know, I had that relationship with my spouse. I had children and look where they're at. And on it goes. But here's what the Bible says. Anytime we look to anything as good as those things might be, that are that for, for our needs to be met and it's other than God, we will end up dissatisfied. We will not end up with the deep, profound knowledge that our needs are met because they have not been met in the ultimate source. That is God himself. I've just reflected on some things. Some people look to career, to success, to, 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 to make them meaningful. Oh, I've made it in life because I am... A successful businessman or woman. I am a successful professional. I have succeeded in that fashion. Some people look to family. You know, I want to bring up those kids. If I can just do that, my life will have purpose. These aren't bad things. These are good things. You know, I, I look, at, look at the amount of money and, and possessions that I have accumulated. You know, I'm, I'm living the good life. You know, sometimes, this is, a, you know, a little bit different. Sometimes we think of it, you know, look at, look at cause causes in order to provide purpose and meaning for life. You know, 
Uh, I think in a world which has shifted away from an understanding of the Lord being our purpose, we look for causes like environmentalism. Again, not a bad thing, but I'm going to live and it's going to give meaning and purpose to my life in, in order that the, that the air will be clear and that the water will be pure. You know, whether it's feminism or social justice, it doesn't matter. There are all these causes that are out there. People are passionate about them because they want to make a difference. They want their life to have meaning. But again, my friends, what the Bible does over and over and over again when we think about these deep longings in our hearts, these, these needs that have to be satisfied is that we need to look only to God. Because if we don't, we'll end up having what's called an existential crisis. Think of purpose. And this applies to all of them, but think of purpose. You know, people drifting through life, wondering if there is meaning to life, not really knowing why I'm here. Does my life really count? You see, that's what happens when we go after those things other than God. You know how many people pour their life into career, but in the end of the day might sit back and say, well, so what? <laughs> how many people might enter into marriage but find marriage not to be what they hoped for, whether the marriage fails or whether the marriage is less than what they might have anticipated? That is not providing the meaning and the purpose. Sometimes it's bringing up children. Yeah, we pour our lives into it, but sometimes that this satisfies it's not enough. You know, it, it, we can go on and on, but in the end of the day, what the scripture says to us, there is one being in this life who can provide to us purpose, and that is God. He is the ultimate purpose of our lives. He is the one from which purpose can be drawn an understanding of why we are actually here and what will bring meaning to life. You see, idols... You can think all the way back to the Old Testament when people would worship a pole, whether it be wooden or stone, the Asheroth or the Baal, they would bow before these things and they would attribute to that idol power. They would think that idol can actually be effective in my life. It can give me what I want. But what we know so clearly from Scripture, those things didn't have any power. They, they weren't alive. They couldn't be effective in anyone's experience. They couldn't give to people what people wanted. And ultimately, they were dissatisfied because they didn't get what they needed. I want to tell you, only God can give you what you need. And all of these core needs, including the idea of why you exist. What is my purpose in life? Why am I here? So the question I want us to grapple with a little bit today, very simply, is how can we find purpose in God? What does that mean? I'm going to work hard to convince you of something because initially I don't think you might buy in. I think you might not buy in. Um, but I want, to, I want to suggest to you that our purpose, uh, the meaning that can we, we can find in life, the reason for our existence does not come to us from all of these things that I've described to you, career or children or things or money or causes. Here it is. Purpose comes in this life ultimately into our experience when we recognize that we have been created to know God. To know and love God, to be in relationship with God through Jesus, and then to love Him and know Him in return. It's that simple. Think about this. We talked about this a few weeks ago. God formed you in your mother's womb, right? He was there. He was present as he knit you together, another verse says. 
He created you to know him. Jesus Christ came into this world and he died on a cross so that we could be reconciled to God. Hear me. Jesus died on a cross taking to himself our sin and our guilt and our shame. Why? One reason that we might know him, that we might be reconciled, brought back into a relationship with God. Jesus Christ rose from the dead that he might be our Lord, that we might have an ongoing relationship with him, not only through this life, but through eternity. My friends, the reality is that God has done all that God has done in order that we might know him. Know him in his love and in his grace and in his power and in his goodness. Go back to the Garden of Eden. That's the foundational text for this whole series, which we've often talked about over these now five weeks. What did God create Adam and Eve for? Some of you might think, well, he created them so that they would be fruitful and multiply and populate the earth through their descendants. Or that, he, that they might, and to use the biblical words, have dominion over the earth, kind of steward God's creation, take care of it for him. Is that the reason God created them first and foremost? I want to suggest to you that God created them first and foremost that he might know and love them and that they might know and love him. Think about the reality of Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, three people in such an intimate relationship that it goes beyond our understanding and enters into the realm of mystery. But this God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created human beings. Why? That we might enter in and understand and become part of that relationship that they share together. We, through the person of Jesus, are seated in the heavenlies with him as he is in relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. My friends, Adam and Eve were created so they might walk in the garden with God. Here's the word, that they might have fellowship with God. He made them that they might know him because God's all about love. And I want to tell you, God created you that you might know him. That is the purpose of your life, first and foremost, beyond anything else that you might think of. I want to read Philippians 3, 7 to 9 and just have you grapple with these ideas through this text. This is Paul speaking, the, the, the man who was a, a young man. He was on an upward trajectory with career. He was gaining power and reputation and influence before he came to Christ. Then he writes this in Philippians. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. Now, let's just stop there. Loss for the sake of Christ. <laughs> you know, everything that he had done as this Pharisee, all of his accomplishments... All of the reputation that he developed, all of the successes that he had taken hold of, all of his achievements, all of the adulation that was given to him by people, he considers them loss for the sake of Christ. Let's carry on. What is more, I considering everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of, say it with me, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. He thought that all those things that he was working so hard for, which he could have described as his purpose in life, he calls them garbage, junk, meaningless endeavors, so that he might gain Christ, this relationship with Jesus himself. And then verse 10, 
and then to be found in him. Note that little phrase. Not having a righteousness that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That faith which creates what? Relationship. Verse 10. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings and become like him in his death. <laughs> you know what Paul's saying? I don't care what it takes. I don't care what suffering I have to endure. I don't care what sacrifices I have to make. I don't care what people think of me anymore. I don't care what wealth I might have had that I no longer have or achievements or adulation. It doesn't matter. They're all lost compared to knowing Jesus. You see, the purpose of our lives is to know Christ. First and foremost, that is the primary reason, my friends, that we exist. And I want to tell you this. This is just by the way of a side. You get this right. Life falls into place for you. We talked about the need to love. You know Christ. You know at a deep level Jesus in your life. You will know that you are loved. He'll reveal it to you. You know Jesus you will know that you belong and that you will never be alone, that you are not living that isolated life, but that Christ, by his spirit, is present to you. Security? You know Jesus? You enter into that relationship? You pursue it? You, you find the depth of it? You will know beyond any question that you were safe because he is with you, no matter what circumstance you might find yourself in. Significance? Oh, you're significant because you're a child of God through Jesus. Reconcile to the Father son or daughter. You see, these things, and then, of course, the last one being purpose itself, these are the things that provide the life that God has created us to know, and at the heart of it is our relationship with God. You and I are first and foremost created to know God and to love Him and to be known and loved by Him, to be in relationship with the living God. That is our purpose. Spoke to a young person um, this fall who had a very profound experience of God this summer. Um, an experience of the Holy Spirit of God in healing at a deep level. Um, this person, I would suggest to you, probably would say, and I believe this is true from the conversation, I've, I've, I've known about God, but I've never really known him. I, I, I've learned all about God, but I've never really encountered him like that. I've believed in God, but... Now I have come to this place of a depth of knowing that is so beyond what I experienced to this point in my life. And the, and the person's comment that flowed in the discussion out of describing that experience to me of a deep healing by the presence and the power of the Spirit of Jesus in their lives was this. Once you've met Jesus, there really is nothing else. Isn't that powerful? Once you've met Jesus, there really is nothing else. See, all other things don't matter. There is no other purpose of significance. There is no other meaning to life. There's no other passion. There's no other focus. There's no other desire. There's no other ambition that exists separate from this relationship with God. It's kind of like Paul the Apostle. I consider everything lost compared to knowing Christ. Because it becomes everything. Think of it this way. Can you imagine Adam and Eve being in the garden? And we're told that they walked with God and they had this relationship of intimacy and love and connection and knowledge. Can you imagine 
them having that experience of God, living in fellowship, this intimacy with God. And God says to them, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, and I want you to, um, what's the word? I want you to, I want to get it right, <laughs> you know, um, kind of reign over the earth, right? I want you to, to steward the earth for me. Can you imagine them going, well, that's my purpose in life. I'm, we're, we're going to have children, and they're going to have children, and they're going to have children after them. That's what I'm all about, populating the earth. Oh, and by the way, well, I have to be the stewards of the earth. I have to care for this earth by God. Can you imagine them thinking, well, that's my purpose, and giving no attention to the present, loving, powerful, incredible God that they had relationship with? Do you see that? The purpose of our life is not first and foremost to serve God, the purpose of our life is to know God. And that is why, my friends, I want to stand before you today rooted in this incredible text of Scripture, well, the witness of Scripture, and tell you, you exist to know God. Your purpose is to know God, to know and love Him and to be known and loved by Him. That's why you are alive. Now, a lot of people don't encounter this. A lot of people never figure it out. And as a result, they chase after the idols of this world, as good as those things are on their own until we make them an idol. And I want to tell you, they never find uh, the, the sense of purpose in life that people who encounter God find. They can't. You see, we human beings were created with that God-shaped hole in our hearts, <laughs> and nothing can fill it. Nothing can satisfy our hearts until it is the God who created us that fills them. Nothing but God himself. So here's my question for you today. I say that a lot, don't I, in my preaching? Here's my question. Here we go. Do you know God? Now listen to me. Take this one to the bank. I'm not asking you, do you know about God? I'm not. I would imagine every one of us here knows about God to some degree. I'm asking you, do you know God? Have you had an encounter with the Spirit of God that is so real and so profound that you walk away from it saying, when you have encountered Jesus, when you have really encountered Jesus, there really is nothing else? One of the passions in my heart for us as we go forward is that we move beyond knowing about God and start to encounter Him by His Holy Spirit. Because that is what the Lord wants. That's what Eden was all about. God, present, powerful, real, here, changing my life, satisfying my, the deep longings of my heart, me encountering him, me in living dynamic relationship with God. Not a God that I believe is out there somewhere who loves me. Now have we encountered his love? Do we so know God that we have encountered his love so that to the depth of our being we believe it to be true? Have we encountered belonging in him? Like do we know that he's never going to leave us or, or forsake us? And that we'll never ever be alone again in life? Do we know that we are secure in him so that if we're in the boat and the storm is rocking and our lives feel like they're threatened, that we just go to Jesus and as I said a few weeks ago, we tap him on the shoulder and we wake him up and ask him to help us? Because if he helped the people who didn't have faith, he'd certainly help the people who have it. Do we know to the depth of our being that we are significant because we have met Christ? 
And the Holy Spirit is so worked in our minds that we are convinced that we are precious because we're precious to God. You hear what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm asking of you? Not whether you know about God. Do you know God? Do you know his presence? Do you know his love? Do you know his grace? Do you know his power at work in your life? Or is it all talk that other people experience and you don't? See, Adam and Eve walked in the garden and they knew God. And they knew that they existed to be in relationship with him. The greatest thing that a human being can know. A thing which transforms our life so that it becomes what God always intended it to be. Now, I've said a few times that this is the primary purpose of our lives. There's a secondary purpose. And I'm going to tell you about that now. The reality is that when indeed we understand this dynamic relationship, when we live in it, when we experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God working us in these ways and in so many other ways, out of that love, out of that relationship, there comes a secondary purpose. And that is that we would live our lives out of our relationship of love with God. So know him that all we want to do is live our lives out of love for this God whom we've come to know. So, what active things can we engage in that exercises that secondary reality of purpose? Well, how about worship? One of the purposes of your life, if you know Christ, if you, if you have encountered the reality of God, is to run into his presence on a Sunday morning and worship him with all of your heart. Not, I'm not pointing at anybody, but to sit there like a bump on a log waiting till it's over so you can go home or at least have a cup of coffee with the people you enjoy hanging out with. That's not worship. Worship, worship is coming into God's presence, being with the one who has opened your eyes and your mind and your heart and convinced you of his love for you in these ways and so much more, all these core needs, that you are hungry to get into his presence and worship him and thank him and love him. You know, last Sunday, I, I thought about this during the week. I, I welcomed everyone here, and I said, I'm really glad you're here today. Remember, anybody remember me saying that? And I said, who else is really glad you're here? Anybody remember that? Some of you do, yeah. And uh, it, it took a little while, but then somebody said in the end, God's happy we're here. Do you believe that? You know what I think about when we gather on a Sunday morning? You know, the, the story of the prodigal son, as you know, is a powerful story in my life, and it has changed my life. But I think on a Sunday morning that the father stands here. Oh, who, maybe over here. And he's looking for his kids to come home. He's looking and he's longing to see his children who need to be home walk through those doors and sit down in those chairs. And when he sees you coming, humbled and repentant, wanting to be home, what does he do? He starts running. <laughs> the God of heaven and earth, he starts running by his spirit until he reaches you and he throws his arms around you and he kisses you on your cheek and he puts a ring on your finger and sandals on your feet and a robe over your shoulders to convince you again to speak the truth into your life that you are his precious and beloved child and he is, he is thrilled that you have come to be with him. Is that how you think about Sunday morning? Who said yep? Steve, thank you. <laughs> Love a responsive congregation. Like, I'm not kidding you. 
Out of love, out of relationship, we come into the presence of God to encounter what? His love in relationship. Don't ever think of worship as other than that. But I want to tell you, not only do we come and experience His love, we get to say, thank you, God. You're an incredible God. You're a fantastic God because I've encountered you in my life and I know who you are and I'm here to worship you. That's part of your purpose in life because you know Him. Worship arises out of relationship. And if you try to do worship without relationship, you're just spinning your wheels because you don't quite really understand what the thing's about. How about this one? Out of relationship, our primary purpose, there's a secondary purpose of serving God. Oh, Chris, please. Don't talk to me about serving anymore. <laughs> Think about Adam and Eve. They lived in this intimate fellowship with God. And out of that fellowship, out of that love, out of that relationship, man, they were so pleased to live their lives to do what God called them to do. Can't disconnect them, right? You can't. Ephesians 2.10. Love this verse. Listen to the power of it. For we are God's handiwork. I've told you before, it's like a master craftsman, craftsman creating something. That's you. God has formed you. You are his handiwork. An artist has produced you, right? Created in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Out of relationship, what happens? Out of love for God. We hear this calling. We hear this desire from the Lord. He said, now serve me. Serve me. Live your life for me. And I want to tell you this. As we start to serve God... <laughs> We start to build his kingdom. We start to give ourselves to build his church all because he loves us and we love him. And we hear the call of God to exercise our spiritual gifts. Let the spirit move in power through them as opposed to trying to do what we do on our own just because we feel like it. God starts to move through us and we experience him more. <laughs> we start to parent our children as an expression of kingdom building. They're not God. But we're going to love them in Jesus' name, and we're going to lead them to Jesus. Right? And we go to work. Why? To make a lot of money so we have the stuff the world tells us we need? No, we go to work to build the kingdom of God so that the people in that place start to see kingdom values beginning to play out. And, and, and we start to help that environment honor God and, and function as God intends it to function. You see, what we do, whether it be in, in a cause or what, whether it be in our families or whether it be at our work, what, 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 what we do with the finances that God blesses us with, we do it because we love God and we are loved by Him. It's out of relationship we have secondary purpose. We worship and we serve and we give. We love. I had a really cool experience. Oh, by the way, I want to throw this one in. You know, out of love and relationship, we start to tell our stories about what Jesus has done for me. I've encountered him. Would you like to know about him? We spend a month in September talking about how to tell our stories. I hope and I pray, I literally do pray, that you're finding opportunities to tell people your, your, your Jesus story about what your life was like before him. You know this if you've been involved and, and how you came to know Jesus and what your life has been since that. Our purpose 
secondary, granted, but our purpose is to tell other people about Christ that they might encounter Jesus as well and come into a relationship with the God that we have come into a relationship with. You see it? Relationship produces a life of service, a life of honoring God, a life of loving God, a, a life passionate to do the things that God calls us to. Why? Because we have to know, because we love him. Tell you this story. Last night, um, I went, I, Heather and I were inv invited to a, a, an event, a Muskoka Woods event, and if you've heard me speak about Muskoka Woods, it's where I worked in my 20s uh, through the 1980s, and if you're fast, you'll not know who, how old I am. Um, but it was a youth camp. It was basically a startup at the time, and, and I just poured my life into that, and they're celebrating this year 40 years as a, as a ministry, as an organization. So some folks were invited to a celebration last night at a, at a beautiful location and, and so forth, and Heather and I went. It was a really encouraging night. And I'm not going to tell you just to name drop. I don't, I don't like name dropping, but <clears throat> I walked in the door. Well, you know, we checked our coats and literally walked in the door, and there are two men standing there. One is uh, Dave. What's Dave's last name? Dave. Honey. Dave Arnold, Dave Arnold, who was once and for many years the gymnastics coach of the, of, the, of the national team in Canada. And he worked at Muskoka Woods all through the years and the summers, and I got to know Dave really well. Wild man. He's a wild man. You have to be to do that gymnastics thing at that level. Standing beside him, and here's the name dropping, is Paul Henderson. And I've told you before that Paul would always come up in the summertime, you know, the great hockey hero, the national hero who scored those winning goals in the 1972 series, and we beat those blasted Russians. Right? If you were there, you'll remember how incredibly important it was. And I, I said, Paul, I want to talk to both of them. But I get talking to Paul, and, and um, you know, I probably haven't seen him more than 10 times in 30 years. It's been 30 years since I worked at Muskoka Woods. I make it talking away, and I'd heard in the news he had cancer, and I told him I had prayed for him, you know, fervently that God would bless him and heal him and we talked about his health and then he said to me this you know I still pray for you on a Sunday morning and I was shocked I said you're kidding me like I knew 20 years ago he told me he, he prayed for me on a Sunday morning but I was shocked that, that, that he would get up early on a Sunday morning he's got a whole he's got dozens of pastors full-time Christian workers that he prays for and I'm one of them and I thanked him and we talked, and I said, Paul, I wonder, I wonder how much of what God has done as I have been preaching at IPC and what God has done in the lives of his people has happened because of your praying. Think about that. How much of what God has done through what I preach and how much of what God has done in your lives has happened because Paul Henderson, sitting somewhere, I think, in Mississauga, has been up early on a Sunday morning praying that God would move by his spirit in your lives through what I have to say. You see, I guess my point to you is what's the purpose of that man's life? 30 years. He's prayed for us. What is his purpose? I think the purpose of that man's life is knowing and loving Christ and living his life through prayer as a, one means of expressing that through prayer for us over the course of 30 years that God might work among this people of God. And I think if Paul Henderson was standing here today, he'd say, you know, all that fame I had when I played for the Leafs, 
All that fame I engendered when I scored the big goals. You know, he, he scored, I believe, three of the winning goals, the last three winning goals, not just the last one, in that series where we beat the blasted Russians. He said to me, I consider them all loss. All that wealth I amassed and accumulated, they're garbage to me compared to me knowing Christ. See, there is a man who who has come into relationship with Jesus. There is a man whose life has been transformed by the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit. And there's a man who, out of love for Jesus, out of relationship for him, has lived his life and continues to this day. I assume he prayed for us this morning. <laughs> out of love for God, that God's will might be done in this earth. This earth. And I'm here today to my friends. Oh, man. I'm a little fired up today. I know, I know. I, I honestly lost track of time here. Sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll wind down quickly. Um, uh, my friends, what we are called to, what the purpose of life is, where meaning is found in life is you knowing Jesus and then you living your life out of that relationship with him. And I'm here today honestly to ask you from the bottom of my heart, do you know Christ do you know the presence and the power of his spirit at work in you? I don't want to know if you know about him. Have you encountered him so that you've come to a place in your life where you basically say, once you've met Jesus, there really is nothing else? Because when you get to that place, you will know that your life has purpose. And you will focus your life. And you will live your life out of that relationship for the glory of God and because you love him. I don't have time. I, you know, I've been doing these parent things at the end. I'm just going to say this really quickly. Um, parents, if you want your kids to know the purpose of life, jettison any other purpose that you've lived for from this point forward. Don't live for it anymore. I'm not saying you don't go to work and you don't parent your kids well, etc. I'm saying come to that place where you encounter the presence and the power of Christ by his spirit in your life. And if you don't know that, and if you know that you're one of those people, then ask the Spirit of God to lead you to that experience of Him. Christianity is shallow and it's weak when people know about God. It is powerful and it is alive when people encounter God in Jesus. And I dream of a church filled with people who have so encountered and are encountering the Spirit of Jesus in this place that their lives are transformed because of it. And a church filled with people who are living their lives on purpose to love God. Very briefly, um, your kids will see what your purpose in life is. You know, they learn it's caught, not taught. Live it. Tell them the purpose of your life. Make their, their relationship with Jesus and your relationship with Jesus the center of your family experience. Nothing else matters other than a means in order for us to express our love for God. And then in the end, I know there's another really good one on this page. I, I can't find it. I can't find it. <laughs> I told you I was going to go fast, so I'm all over the place now. Ah, it's so simple. Make the priority of your living purpose in Jesus to lead your kids to Christ. Make it the focus of your parenting. Lead them into a relationship with Jesus. 
you know, what's your aspiration for your child? Oh, I want him to play in the NHL. I want him to be a famous movie star, Blue Jays. What's your aspiration for your children? What do you long for? You know, the most important thing that you can do for your kids is lead them into a relationship with Jesus, that they might know their purpose in life, that they, that they might live their lives out of that relationship, that they might know they are loved, know that they belong, know that they are secure, know that they are significant in him. Do you think in those terms, parents, grandparents? Pray till your knees are sore and lead your kids to Jesus. I'm going to stop there, my friends. I sense God's spoken to us. I've yapped way too much. But I sense God is being with us. You asked the Spirit of God to touch your mind and your heart at the beginning of this, has he? Have you encountered him? Do you know him? Because you've experienced him? Even here? My friends, I'm going to pray. And Aaron, I think we're going to go home after that. Do you think? Yeah, she's saying, oh man, please. No, 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 no. Let's pray. Let's ask God to, uh, to make these things a reality in our lives. Lord, we as human beings, we can be confused and distracted and even blinded to the realities which are really, really important to us. Um, today, Lord, we've been confronted with the most important thing that any human being can do, and that is to turn to you and walk into a relationship with you through faith in Jesus, to find that purpose in life that is um, going to satisfy the deep longing in our lives for meaning and significance. God, I do pray for every one of these people gathered here that they'll know not about you, but that they'll know you in the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, as they encounter you, that as that young person said to me not that many months ago, once you've met Jesus, there really is nothing else. Lord, make that a reality in the lives of these people here today, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and move in a new way. Move in power as your people know you and know your love in such a fashion that it transforms their lives. Make as a church, God, that is on purpose in terms of how we live as individuals and together. Come, Holy Spirit, and move in us until we're there. And Father, this we pray in the name of Jesus.